Hello and welcome to the MX7 podcast. Uh, yeah, welcome to our audience attended live show. Um, yeah, guys, so people know at home you're actually here. Make some noise. Do something. We have got people here, believe it or not. Um, yeah, as you can see, we are here at the Mental Stadium and in the factory to talk about the shoes next hour. Um, yeah, as you can see, we've got Alipoo, Matt Olsen, Lewis Brandon, he's going to be joining in a moment. But we are joined first off by our head of commercial at the talk club, Mike Sullivan. Mike? Good, good, good. Good evening. Um, nice to be here. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. No problem at all. Um, yeah, you've been, a, you've been a busy man over the years. I'm old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you've, been a, you've been a Watford, Spurs, Swindon, Palace, Brentford, Orient, Huddersfield, and Chillingham three times. <laughs> um, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, um, right, I, I was born in uh, Rochester at a very early age, and um, uh, Gillingham were always my team, and um, I came here, my very first game was um, Gillingham versus Watford, and Gillingham had just been promoted to the third division, and uh, they won 5-2, and as a little lad, I then thought that every time you went to a Gillingham game, they were going to win 5-2. <laughs> and I'm going back, in, I'm showing my age now, but I'm going back in the days of Alex Farrell, Mike Burgess, Gordon Pulley, um, Brian Gibbs, Rodney Green, etc. And it's really funny because Watford, I didn't understand it at that time, but uh, the very first away game, I went to, or was allowed to go to, right, was uh, Watford versus Gillingham in the FA Cup in 1969. All right, and then as it worked out in 1981-82, I joined uh, Watford. Uh, I haven't worked for the Kent Indian Post, which was the local newspaper at that time. Um, I got worked in the newspaper as well. I joined Watford. And a really interesting situation there because I had three interviews to get into Watford uh, and interview number two was with Bertie Mead who was the manager of Arsenal when they got to the double in 1971 and then the third interview was with Graham Taylor and that was a quite far, I've been very very lucky with the, the managers that I've worked with in that time Graham Taylor is the best manager by a long way that I've ever worked with and I got the job and I had to give a notice in, uh, which I did, and I joined Watford on the Wednesday, and I remember the marketing manager coming in to me on the Friday, and she goes to me, uh, so uh, I need you to um, come to a meeting on Sunday, would you come? I'd, I'd like to you to uh, attend a board meeting. So yeah, no problem at all. Where do I go? Thinking it's going to be Victory Road, and it worked out that I had to go to Elton John's home, <laughs> lunch with Elton John and all the directors from Watford where I was introduced to, uh, to the club. All right, so that was 1981-82 and it's really ironic at that time Watford were the golden team right, with Elton and with Graham and 
in my very first year, um, we had promotion to the first division, and we were told we were going to be relegated, but we were Watford, and we were very, very fashionable. Uh, but in reality, we came running up to Liverpool, and then the following year, we went to Kaiser Clown, part of our best part in Europe, and then the following year, we had the FA Cup against Everton. Right, so I was very, very lucky to be at Watford at such a, a good time. Um, from then on, I have moved around. Uh, there are people in the game who haven't moved, all right, and you know I respect that. But I think you know if you move around, every club is different. And one club you actually missed out there was Millwall. Right. Now I know this has been. Uh, shown live, oh, I will watch my language. <laughs> but Millwall was the only club that I had to swear in my sales pitch, right, if anyone wants to buy into me, right, the only club. And immediately I came out with a certain word, I was one of them. <laughs> Alright, so, you know, that, that was Millwall, alright, but um, I've been very lucky. Yeah, you mentioned about your experiences over the years and, and at different levels. What's, what's the difference between, I guess, the clubs down the bottom end of the football league where you work to then the top end of the league? What's the difference between just how the, the day-to-day running? Um, right, okay. Um, for those of you who don't know, I've just come from Brentford where I had 12 years at Brentford. Ironically enough, I was a commercial manager here and I remember saying to the chairman um, that uh, I live up in Berkshire and I said to the chairman at the time that um, I've been offered an opportunity of going to another football club nearer to my home and they were paying more which also helped big time and um, I remember the chairman going to me, he goes well where are you going? And I go to Brentford, he goes Brentford? What are you going to Brentford for? They got no future. And that was 2011. Now, from 2011 when I arrived, let's be fair, it's not nothing to do with me really, but in that time I had promotion from um, League One to the Championship. We came within 20 minutes of beating uh, the Champions of Europe, Chelsea, in a FA Cup tie. We had three trips to Wembley, we got promotion to the Premier League, all right, and on the very first year that we were going to be relegated because we were unfashionable Brentford, we came 13th. And in the second year, when we were going to get relegated, we came 8th. And we moved to a brand new stadium, and then all of a sudden we're finding players like Christian Eriksen. You know, so so that, that was Brentford. Now, the, your, your question is a good one, because what we found, immediately Brentford went into the Premier League, the amount of staff that they brought in was incredible and during the final part of my career there right, I, I started doing some consultancy work down here to Gillingham and what I found was that I would go into Brentford one day and there was 20 people available to do one job where the next day I'd go to Gillingham and there was one person to do 20 jobs <laughs> alright and that, that's the difference you know, but um, but what what's really important to Gillingham? You know, the, the question: Why have you left Brentford, a Premier League club, come to Gillingham for a League Two? 
Well, number one, doing the marmot team. All right, so I know the area, I know the people. All right, but I really, in the time that I was doing some work for them, I bought into Brad and Shannon. All right, you know, their vision, they're so positive, they're great people. Right, so I really bought into Brad and Shannon. Second, you look at uh, Joe, Joe Comper, all right, you know, who at that time was head of commercial. Now, between Joe and Meg, all right, they had a really, they both two worked really hard, and the revenue they brought into the club was incredible. And let's be fair, actually, it's been a bit of a tough time. Yeah, it's been a bit of a tough time. And I remember being, you know, on the match day at Brentford, uh, after the game, you go into the lounge and you look at the TV and, oh, how did Jill's get on stage? Oh, oh, we got beaten 3 0. Oh, okay then. All right. And it was disappointing. It was disappointing. But then we all know that um, from January, Brandon Shannon came in and, you know, the fortunes um, turned. But we must also remember that at Gillingham, you know, we've got some great people, great staff, all right, who are very, very loyal. You know, we've got Joe Binks, we've got um, Phil Patrick, um, we've got Dave Whiteface, we've got Ben Reeves. These are all people that are Gillingham through and through. All right, so when you've got back at the time of a foundation, and then you've got Joe, you've got Meg, you've got um, Brad, you've got Shannon, you know, the ingredients are there, all right, for what I experienced at Brentford to come to Gillingham. And I'm delighted to say, you know, sort of they brought in uh, Brad and Shannon, you know, they, they put in their hands into their pocket and they bought the brand new LED that you see on match day. Now, you know, that's not that's not cheap. That's not cheap. But because of that, we've managed to bring in 72 new companies and that gives the club a future. The money that they bought in local companies have come in and that gives the club a future and it was, it was that kind of vision from Brad, Shannon, and everyone else that I've mentioned that makes Gillingham, the, the future for Gillingham this way. Guys, Mark Sullivan, give him a round of applause. Charles Walk, 
four weeks and two losses in that time. We started, we started at the top of the mountain, or the beginning of the mountain, Heron, FA Cup. Actually, you went? I did this. Yeah. Um, tricky time on paper can be one of those ones that you sort of think you, you, you could get done without it. But a professional performance. Yeah, I think a lot of people after that game came out for that one that one will be discussing in the garden, but what she obviously understands football as well as we do as well as people around it. You know that's a very special performance when we went there. Quite their crowd was massive for for a club like Harry did the job that we needed to do, came over and got through to the yeah, Matt, obviously um, Stephen Clements' first game in charge, um, one I'm sure that he was probably excited for, but he thought, oh my God, I'm walking into an FA Cup tie here, first, day, first game of the job, I could get dumped out, but yeah, obviously we, obviously we didn't. Yeah, yeah, we did, I mean, obviously on paper it was a potential last game, uh, you know, Hereford are not going really too bad in there, and Look, we had to turn up, do a professional job, actually, you know, turn up and play some decent football. And that was the only way we were going to win the game. And look, we deserved to win that game too, at the end of the day. And it was an excellent performance as well. I've got to say, um, Jamie Clark, I thought he was absolutely excellent that day. Lewis, is your mic being picked up now? I don't know. It doesn't sound like it. <laughs> this is not my gear. <laughs> Everyone here that knows this, this is not my gear. It's Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, I'm sure people might be delighted about that. <laughs> I'm joking. Lewis, um, you can use my mic for the answer, okay? Um, yeah, obviously the next the next game was Wrexham. Um, Stevie Clements' game, first league game in charge. I think it was fair to say it wasn't a, a pretty afternoon, was it? No, it wasn't. Um, hello, everyone. This is like the worst loose women ever. Um, yeah, Wrexham was a good trip. <laughs> Killed my car as well, which is brilliant. But yeah, I think we're always going to get a few people going to Wrexham because of, you know, the, the club that Wrexham are now, I suppose. You know, it's in Wales. It's a, almost a rivalry between Brad and sort of their ownership forming. But it was not a good trip. Um, it was a good day out, but in terms of the performance, it was shocking, really. And I think it was unfortunate that Clements got thrown into a game where his first league game was Wrexham, one of the best teams in the league, probably the best home team in the league. Um, and scored plenty of goals against teams before us and since us. But, you know, a game's a game. And I think a few players let themselves down that day. I think that's been evident in the changes that's been seen in the team since. It was a really bad performance. Can only count a few of the shots um, on my hands, but I think we do better to forget that one. I assume Alex was there as well. Were you at Wrexham? What, what did you make of it? Um, it, it was a horrible, horrible afternoon. Horrible day of that, obviously. Um, I don't, we weren't great. Right? We wasn't great, but we need to not take stuff away from Wrexham. They were fantastic. Everything that we want the Stewart team to play, they did that day. Everything went well for them, and their players stand up. They're a bit like us. 
listening to the side pod, not significant. One week, best team in the world. Next week, completely different side. And unfortunately, we turned up on a week where we looked awful, and they were probably at their best. They've probably been the season to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, Matt, we'll, co- we'll obviously come to you because, like Alex said, about our inconsistency, that has been our one issue this year. And I think people in the crowd will probably agree that we just, we just, yeah, certainly away from home. Yeah. Um, the next, the next game that we're going to talk about is sort of where. I'm sure a lot of you guys were, were there at, against Salford, where on our day we looked like one of the best sides in the league, but we just cannot build that consistency. But the second half against Salford, we completely took them apart. Unfortunately, this Gillingham squad is a team of two. We'll turn up in the first half and then not turn up in the second half, or we won't turn up in the first half and we'll turn up in the second half. But it, it's been ultimately most of this season has been that case. You know, even at the, the first three or four games where we were winning like one nil, we'd score that first goal in the first twenty minutes, and then we would just sit back in the fence. And in the second half, that team would then be all over us. So look, I mean, coming up against a really strong Wrexham team, you always knew it was going to be difficult. But against Salford, we literally saw two different Gillingham teams that day. One team in that first half, and then a completely different team in that second half. And yet it was the same group of players on the pitch. Yeah, yeah if I can just... Oh, we're, we're actually working now. <laughs> um, yeah, I think with the Wrexham game, it wasn't necessarily the result. You know, better teams will go to that stadium and lose this season uh, than us. I think it was just the performance, because that was the game where it was sort of first league game Everyone's expecting, you know, players playing for the shirt, that sort of thing. Didn't didn't happen, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, that's all for game. I got a bit giddy after that's all for game because I thought that was where Stephen Clements' style sort of clicked straight away. Uh, well, that was the first time it happened. Uh, I think, you know, with the four three three that he wants to play, I know a lot of people have different opinions on whether we should play one or two up front, etc. But that was the game where it clicked, I think, with, with Tom Nichols playing. And we were getting the best out of the likes of George Lapsley, Johnny Williams, um, and and I thought that was our best team on paper. And then obviously that was a great day. And then and then Tranmere happened. Yeah. Should we do that? Tranmere did happen. Tranmere did happen. Unfortunately, um, I think it's fair to say that we lost one of the worst sides in the league, and we made them look like Brazil. Um, yeah, Alex, we'll leave it to you because you decided being an idiot and go up. Who else, man? Yeah. Put your hands up and went to Tramier? Yeah. Fair play. Fair play. Fair play. Fair play. Um, I'm sure you're agreeing it was a bit more, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, great. Go on, mate. We were that general side that didn't turn up the game, but even worse, we were god awful. From start to finish, we had nothing. We, we, as you said, we turned up and we made the worst side in this league look like Brazil. And even before the game, we saw the crowd fans, and they were like, "This is going to go one or two ways. We're going to pump it up, or you're going to pump us." And unfortunately, it was that way around. And I've got so many things I'd love to say in the game, but I can't say it. The line and a lot of swear words, mate. So <laughs> I think we'll leave it. It was god awful, and we needed to reaction. And like that we have since then. 
in all serious Matt, are away form. In my opinion, it will be the Achilles heel in us getting promotion or not this year. 100% agree. 100% agree. Although I've just got to say something about that Tranmere team. And if you look at actually their recent performances, they have been absolutely brilliant. We did make them look like Brazil that day, but they have got better and better each week. And that was the, ultimately the catalyst. It was them playing against generous drills, who let them have three goals, and then all of a sudden, they've now started to go on one and four. So look, I will say, yeah, Tranmere deserved to win that game, but... As you know, as a Jules fan, as when you watch your team, you just want them to show a bit of fight, a bit of heart, and there was nothing that day. I will look. I will say our away form, like you've said, it's going to be our Achilles' heel. We need to stop turning losses and turn them into points at the very least if we want to get out of this division. Um, we can't be falling to be loose teams like Tranmere. We've got Forest Green obviously coming up. On paper, that's the game we've won already. On paper, but the games are played on paper. So we've got to turn up there, put in a professional performance, and get three points. If we can do that, we'll get out of this league. If we can't, I'm sorry, but next year we'll be still in League Two. I think that's what we spoke about before. Me and Owen, who, by the way, isn't here today because he's not in the country. Um, shout out to him. But. Yeah, we said that before about the sort of approach to games where we were going to games like Doncaster. This was mainly under Neil Harris, to be fair, but we were not sort of taking the game to the team. You know, we were making it, we were making it a fight, and it was almost a fifty-fifty call on who was going to come out on top. Whereas this appointment of Stephen Clements is almost well, it has come because we want to control games and be a bit more dominant. And you know that that comes with the away form as well. Obviously, we're not seeing that so far. We speak about Wrexham and Tranmere, that sort of thing. Like you say, Forest Green's coming up. We should be going to that game, trying to win, trying to win the game. I'm not saying we don't try and win the game. Games aren't going to be easy, but we should be going. You know, this is a quote that I've got some stick for on, on Twitter, but we should be expecting to win that game. You know, I'm not saying it's ex- we expect it's going to be an easy game, but you know, a team with promotion ambitions versus a team with survival ambitions, we should be expecting to win that game for for where we're at. And you know, I, I expect three points, but you know, the way it's been, who knows. My thing with it is away from home, and we look at the Tranmere game and the Wrexham game, and not at any given moment is there any sort of game management from our team. We've got, I just don't understand, I get we want to dominate, and I get we want to we want to have a lot of the ball and whatever else, but there's no game management away from home. I just, is, is that an issue? Is it the fact of we're not, we're not digging in, we're not, we're, we're we control in aspects, but then when the other team's on top, we're not then game managing those certain spells to then suck the life out of teams. It isn't, isn't. I think it's all well and good wanting to be this team that plays pretty football, dominates the football, but that's that's not how you get out of League Two. You get out of League Two by going to places like Tranmere, when it's wet, cold and windy, you dig in, you snatch a one big win. You know, you can't go into every game and think we're gonna dominate possession here. We've got to have that plan B to react to when we're on the back foot, when we can actually go go to a place like Tranmere or Wrexham, dig in, be defensively sound and snatch a goal or take a point home. As Matt said, we've got to start turning these losses into at least a point if we want to go up. What is that though? Because I understand what you're saying in terms of getting, you know, we went up in 2013 and we that promotion campaign was built on having a solid defence and 
you know, you can even think back to, you know, before we were even about uh, some of the defenders that's played for the club. But why why do you think that we have to go to places like Tranmere where we're a much better football team and we have to adapt? You know, why why can't we just play our style, that sort of thing? I'm just, you know, as a question. It's a very long trip up there. It's, you know, six, seven hours on a coach. I know it's the night before, but you're away with your family the day before, you're, you know, you're travelling there, you're travelling back, it's cold, it's wet, it's windy, you know, it's travelling to be better, it's, it's half different size stadium, it's not your home stadium, you know, you don't get as many fans going to those long away days, I know we have one of the better away followers in the league, but it's the same as teams coming here, you know, you can have a, a soccer team come here that would dominate a game the week before at home, come here, it's the, it's the same aspect, and we also don't have the personnel to or do personnel, but not fit personnel, to go to a team like Tranmere and, and turn up and do the job work. You know, if we had Ollie Walken to fit for the Tranmere game, I think we'd go there and win it, because we can change the style of play, we can go a bit longer, but Bond and Nichols don't fit that. I think that's more it, it's the personnel to play that sort of style. We can't play every week, turn up and be a Barcelona, because we're not good, Matt, I'll put the next game to you then. Wimbledon, we say about scraping it out, yeah, the Wimbledon performance, you can you can put it as scraping out or you can put it as, I don't know, in all honesty, two poor sides? I don't, I don't know, in all honesty. What was it? There was one decent strike on the pitch. And I hope we sign him in... Uh, no, no, there was one decent strike on the pitch who I hope we sign in January, Al Hamadi. No, nobody else? Okay, just me. <laughs> Look, um, you're right, it was two poor sides, but here's the thing about League Two this year. Forest Green, I think, have beaten... Was it, didn't they beat Notts County? Forest Green, I think uh, Colchester have beaten like, Wrexham. This league is all up and down. Every game, you could see, you could see prime Wimbledon last week and then come to Gillingham, and they're the worst team in the world. You know, we weren't that good either, but this is the thing. This league this year is so up and down, it is so hard to call. There's, you know, I, I ask, I do another podcast, I ask a question on it. You know, for instance, could Notts County realistically get promoted by outscoring every other team? No, their defence is they've been that poor, I've got a feeling they won't go up because of their defence. Here's the thing, our defence this year has been absolutely excellent. We just can't score. Yeah. But what's the key thing that I've said on our podcasts? Defences will win you championships, yet goal scores will just win you games. Yeah, well, that's going to happen anyway when we play them in the next round. Because Just so you know, I'll, I'll tell you right now, Sheffield United, 2-0 winners, guaranteed. Put, put your bets on right now and then buy me a pint afterwards. Talking of 2-0 winners, we've been shown on Saturday, where, yeah, again, um, Alfie May who? That's a mild, though. Yeah, well, yeah, Alfie May, I think we can sit here all day and, uh, and just talk about Alfie May, but, yeah, um, this is another situation where it feels lovely walking out the ground after beating a local rival, if that's what you want to call it. Um, but then you sort of you sort of look back at the game and you think, why can we not just do that every single bloody week? Yeah. And that's the feeling feeling about it. I think. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a quote from my dad. He likes to say that one. Why can't we do that every week? <laughs> um, well, the floodlights work for this one, which was a, a plus. Um, no, it was a great game. It seems like we're a bit of a cup team at times. You know, you think of the Southampton game, which is still my favourite game this season. Um, you think of some of the runs we had, beating Brentford, going to Molyneux. Uh, you know, even the Luton game where we lost, you know, they gave it a good go against the Premier League side and we'll, we'll try and do the same again against Sheffield United um, but yeah the Charlton game was great because I personally hate playing Charlton um, I think it becomes a little bit of a rivalry which it's not always um, not always to some people but I think it gets a bit unnecessary uh, unnecessarily a bit scrappy and you know a lot of their fans came down fair play and you know most of them live in Kent anyway so it wasn't it wasn't a long journey but yeah, we, we tore them apart, really. And I think if you look at the feedback from the Charlton fans, they're, they've been very critical of how they performed lately, how they performed in that game. The efforts from their players, that's not our problem. You know, we played some, some decent football. Tim Dieng's goal was, was fantastic, I think, from the likes of Coleman, Lapsley. And, yeah, it was just a really good a really good day, really, where, you know, we're starting to put some more clean sheets on the board with Max Aimer coming back in the team, which I'm sure we'll go on to talk about. But, yeah, it was a really enjoyable day. And... We play with that intensity. I don't know if it was the sort of rivalry that has been painted or that it is, again, to some people. Um, whether it was the fact it was a cup game, you know, the FA Cup, what's on the line, big crowd, that sort of thing. But the players seem to be up for it and the intensity was there. I'm not saying it's not there in league games, but maybe it's a mentality thing where they're more, more up for, for games like that, which is a natural thing. It's no criticism of the players, but, you know, it's it'd be nice to have that sort of approach in every game because I think you know people went to Wrexham if you compare the intensity there to the Charlton game it's like night and day and it'd just be nice to have that every week I suppose well someone that was up for it was certainly a Mr McCauley bomb wasn't he the old little cup of the year that was nice that was was lovely it was a it was a lovely moment for us but for him even better you could see how much he enjoyed doing that they gave him so much stick from the minute he walked out the tunnel I had a friend who was a fortunate Charlton fan. I do feel sorry for him. As they walked out of the tunnel, they started straight from the off. And it was such a big moment for him and a big moment in the game. But I think he needs more performances like that one. Just because it's Charlton and just because it's your old team, you can't just turn up for that game. He needs more performances like that, um, which at the moment seems to be a bit few and far between for him. Can I just actually add that there's one thing that we've all like completely forgot to address here Stephen Clements got his tactics spot on on that day absolutely spot on yeah I think Clements has been going a bit more direct recently isn't he I think you know this is his first job as a head coach and he's learning on the job I'm sure um, you know I'm sure he has ambitions to sort of go all the way I'm not saying Gillingham or Stepping Stone but you know he's, he's learning early on in his managerial career and when he first came in it seemed as if we were trying to play like Barcelona and I think it was that Wimbledon game where we suddenly started going a bit direct and you know even if Tom Nichols is playing up front you've got people like Tim Dieng that can win headers and it, it protects your defence a little bit as well when you've got people like Max Aimer coming into the team who aren't necessarily the best on the ball whereas Shadogi is, is quite comfortable obviously the person he's replaced but you know he has adapted a little bit where he's prepared to go a bit more direct at times which I think is, has really helped us yeah okay yeah fair enough um, yeah well let's let's move on to um, yeah, let's move on to the talking points of tonight. Um, just before we mention, obviously, thank you to Daniel Construction. 
for sponsoring us this season. Um, specialist services, commercial and domestic contracts for groundworks, hard landscaping, including paving, edging, modular and bonded services. Uh, you can find them at danielconstruction.com and massive thank you to Laura, their owner, for sponsoring us this year. Okay, on to our talking points of tonight then. Obviously, the opening of the new club shop. Looks lovely. It's very nice. It's very nice. And mum's in the crowd. I hope you go and visit there for Christmas. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, no, it is very nice. And it's a massive thing for the club. We've gone without a club shop for so long and one that's probably up to the standard for so long. So it's a really nice, underestimated investment from the club. You know, you look from a, an outsider's point of view, they think, oh, it's only a new club shop, but that's massive. You know, the amount of people that go in there before a match day is, is huge, and the revenue that brings bring to the club is the difference between signing an Ogie and, you know, a second string centre-half, should I say. Yeah, Matt, Alex obviously mentions about the importance of the club shop. I think it's fair to say that our club shop, the old club shop, was just not not pretty, in fair to say. Um, it was old, it was just, yeah, not a great site. But the new one, what a fantastic job Meg, the commercial team, um, and everyone at the football club has done with that shop. Do you know what's really nice actually when you go in there it feels really fresh one of the things I actually do like is the amount of space that they've got so they can actually rearrange stuff move stuff in get new new stock different stock in look you know we're at the very start of that club shop's journey I know it's obviously it's just opened it's only going to grow and get better and better and better and look the more we go in there and spend our money in there as Alex has said, the more we can then go and spend on an OG or get a Masterson or, or whoever it is, we can then be able to sign those players. By having that little club shop down there that was only open on match days, the club was losing out on hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of revenue. So to be able to actually have it open, what's it, nine till five every day and then open on yeah, match days? Yeah, yeah. Perfect. And you know what I used to love when I was a little kid? Um, my dad's at the back, he'll, he'll say, he'll admit this, but when, when I used to come and watch the old Jules games and used to go and sit in the old Gillingham end, uh, stand, sorry, stand in the Gillingham end, but one of the things I used to love to do was go into the shop before the game, go and buy a hat or a match day programme or a pencil or a rubber or whatever, just anything with the Gillingham logo on it. Because I wanted everybody to know that I support the Gillingham Football Club. And the best way I could do that was by spending my money in the Jill shop. Now, if you go to any other shop in Medway, go to Sports Direct, do they sell Gillingham Football Club shirts? No? Where are you going to buy them? Club shop. If the club shop is only open on a Saturday and you can't get here to a, for a match day, you can't buy anything, can you? Well, now what? It's perfect. It's open. It is such a lovely space. It was great for them to get uh, Scott Malone to come in as well on the match day. I thought that was excellent. Honestly, it's just so many positives for this club. And the more we spend in it, the sooner we'll be in the Premier League. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. I was waiting for that comment. Yeah, you couldn't help yourself. Couldn't help it. 7 0. Yeah. Um, okay. I think it's. I think, Matt, you do make some good points in that rant. <laughs> um, we'll move on to Stevie Clements then. He's been in charge just over a month, about six weeks. That's, yeah, about six weeks. Um, quick summer, rating out of 10. What would you give him, Lewis? Seven. 
Okay. Uh, do you want me to expand? Go for it. Um, yeah, I don't... You know, I said earlier I think he's learning on the job. I don't think he completely knows what his best team is, which is fair enough. You know, he strikes me as someone who wants to adjust tactics based on opposition. Um, you know, I mentioned on the podcast a few weeks ago, if you think of the Fulham game where Lewis Walker was sort of playing as a striker slash right midfielder off the ball, that sort of thing... Um, he was mixing it up a little bit in terms of his, his style of play, as I mentioned, going a bit more direct now as well. I think he's only on the job. I don't think he's as good a talker as Neil Harris was in the media. But, you know, again, that's his, that's his first sort of job. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's not what gets you points. So whatever. Um, I did meet him in the club shop when we went, which, um, you know, great, great speech. Matt, I was going to add some more, but I think you covered it. Um, that, that, was, that was a great launch, by the way. I was, I was second in the queue, I think, behind this gentleman at the front who was who was first in the queue but yeah no great shot um yeah Clemens I think you know he's, he's still learning and it hasn't changed drastically we didn't really have a new manager bounce I think we expected it some people potentially expected it to happen a bit quicker than it has been but we're almost asking us to change the whole style of football halfway through the season which wasn't going to be easy but yeah we're inconsistent there's still a lot of holes there but you know I like him and I like what he's doing and I'm happy he's our head coach okay Alex? Right, now 10 first. 7.5. It's a win. One. <laughs> You've got to put the 0.5s in there. Um, I wasn't fully sold when he first came in. I think I said that on the last Look Back Live. I didn't think he was my man. Um, he's very much impressed me. If he had been better in the games that we've lost, he'd be 10 out of 10 for me. He is implementing a style of football that he wants to play that we can clearly see, which is something that regardless of who Harris in, Harris out, everyone wanted. So everything that we've asked the football club to do and their new manager, he's gone and done. <coughs> Controversial.com, nine. We all knew that was coming. Whoa. You've got to expand on that. <laughs> I like him. No. Um, <laughs> no, okay, so forgetting the actual games moving the games aside the results and just looking at the aspects of the play that's happened on the pitch as and how he has mark. been on the sidelines I've really enjoyed him he seems really proactive he seems a lot more animated than Neil was um, the, the subs when you know the subs seem proactive not reactive which I think is excellent the style of play that he's trying to implement I think is looks excellent the results I understand you know, had we beaten Wrexham, had we beaten Tranmere, would have been a 10 out of 10, of course. But I'm liking what I am seeing. I totally get what you mean by Lewis by saying about he's not great in press, press conferences. I mean, yeah, it's his first job. He's probably never had to do this on a regular basis. But what I see, what I hear from him, I really like. Look, I'm not saying that he's going to be the guy that's going to take us to the, you know, forgotten out of the, being the Premier League champions in 10 years' time or whatever. That's not necessarily going to happen under Stephen Clements. But what he has got is he has got a great coaching ability. And when you've got players of Jack Grealish's calibre saying that he is the best coach they have ever worked under and we have him coaching our Gillingham team, I do not think we realise how lucky we actually are. And honestly... Give it another month, and I'll start. I think we'll start seeing a real Stephen Clement side. Okay. Anyone in the audience want to give a rating for Stephen Clements? I'd probably say six. Six. Yeah. He needs time to 
Six. Anyone else? I would agree with that as well, but I would say Robbie Stockdale as well. Because before, now we've actually got a proper assistant coach where we didn't have before. And if you notice when they're doing the warm up in the game, we're getting the, the coaches are coming out and watching them. Okay. Praise one, one. for Robbie Stockdale, we should probably say, just for the live stream. There was praise for Robbie Stockdale. That's what I'm saying. There was praise for Robbie Stockdale. I was going to say, the other thing you've got to think about is these players have gone from working under a football manager to under a coach. Yeah. There is two completely different... They are two completely different job titles. A manager will look after every but, aspect but, of But I think club. that can go either way. Yeah, but this is what I'm saying. So for me, as a coach, this is why I know, I know you know, I, I'd say Man United, you know, we'll be Man United 7-0 and all that. And you can take everything I say maybe with a pinch of salt. But for me, just what he's done as a from the coaching aspect... I think we've we've not necessarily seen it because we're not on the training ground every single day. Shall I be really controversial here? Hit me. I actually don't see a style of play under Clements yet. I don't see it. I do not see a difference. All I see with us, for me, is that we are a bit more on the front foot. And that is it. That's all I see from it, is that, okay, we might knock a, a ball forwards rather than sideways and that's it is on the floor it is on the floor you're right it is on the floor but there has been but if we look at the Wimbledon game for example how did we win the game yeah 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 I did nothing with it so I think yeah the style people mention about the style of play but then Clements said about on Kent Online, I think he said it a couple of weeks ago, he then said, oh, it doesn't matter, I just want to win games of football. So, what, what to me, what is the style of play? So, so for me, it's that, it's that final third. It's that movement in that final third. If you um, take it back to, uh, oh, don't know, who was the last home game against? Salford uh, Wimbledon. Wimbledon last home yeah. game yeah so there was a, a couple of moments uh, when they were coming towards the rain end where previously uh, you know at the start of the season you would not get any crosses in the box you wouldn't get anything like that you'd get nobody moving into running into the box to try and you know anticipate a cross coming in it would be tippy tappy let's try and walk the ball into the back of the net and against Wimbledon we've gone from being literally the lowest crossers of balls into the league I think we're putting like five or six in literally the second half, which is not something we've done in any game. The movement in that final third was a lot faster. The balls are being, being moved around a lot quicker, trying to get into those dangerous positions where with nil, it just seemed a lot slower. So what, I, what I've what i noticed is that speed, that movement in that final third is a lot quicker. There's a very a lot of similarities in the first two thirds of that pitch, but in that final third, I see there's a lot, a lot difference between Neil Harris and... Uh, Stephen Clements, where Neil Harris, you know, it feels like they were trying to walk the ball in the back of the net, and with Stephen Clements, it feels like they're actively trying to get something out of the game by getting more crosses in, more movement in that final third. Look, that's my opinion. If somebody else might see something completely different, I just feel that there is a change. But look, like everyone says, Rome was not built in a day. 
we've had, you know, we had a week's gap. Uh, you know, we've had this week off, so against Barrow. So let's hope he's had two weeks now on that training pitch that we can actually start to see against Bradford on Saturday coming up. We can actually start to see really what Clements Ball is all about. I think there's a misconception with this word style of play. We're in League Two. We're not going to have a Man City style of play where they go everywhere and play this same football. As he said, he wants to win yeah. games of football. Now, what we have seen, and I've spouted this in podcast videos and everywhere that I can possibly spell it, and Matt's on the right lines here in the terms of a lot of our football under Harris, and we all moaned about it, it was played in our defensive third or the midfield third. A lot more of the ball at the weekend and in games that we're seeing under Clements is played in that final third. It's getting on the front foot, trying to hurt teams rather than going back all the time, playing in that. You look at the position of Marston and Ogie or uh, Marston and Aimer in under Clements compared to where they were on Harris, they would be halfway an hour and a half. Now they're on halfway line. We're pushing okay. teams up into that final third where we can actually hurt them rather than hurt us. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we mentioned about Max Aimer then. He's come back into the side. Um, 373 games in a Jill shirt. He is... One of the more controversial players in a Jill shirt, I think would say. But 373 games in a Jill shirt. Lewis, I know you have a, an interesting opinion on him, don't you? Yeah, before I start, um, hands up if you rate Max Aimer. All right, so one, one, two, keep your hands up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, so probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, the question. What's the question? Can Ozzy and Masterson play next to each other? Can Can Ozzy and Masterson play next to each other? No. Yeah. So I've I've been one of the biggest critics of Aymar throughout the years, and when he left for Bristol Rovers, I thought we'd got rid of him, and then he came back. And <laughs> when Clemens took over, I thought he was gone, and then he came back. So you know, fair play to him. Um, I'm not his biggest fan, but like the guy says over there, the results don't lie. You know, the start start of the season with the clean sheets when he's playing with Ogie um, and other clean sheets when he's come back into the team. For me, individually, Masterson and Ogie are probably two of the best. Yeah, yeah, two of the best centre-offs in the league. But playing together, I think they've struggled a little bit. So, you know, since Max Aymar, throughout a Gillingham career, he's, when he's been partnered with a decent centre-off, he's had he's a had good record, you know. Zakawani... Jack Tucker's first year, John Egan. Um, Shalaja? No. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, now with, with Masterson as well, you know, we saw it last year, OG at the start of the year. Um, so, yeah, it's a really weird one where, you know, he's not as comfortable on the ball, but he's been one of the best players under Clemens, even though he's only come in the last few games because, you know, especially the, you know, I forget if it's Wimbledon or Charlton, but I thought he was good in both. For one of them, I thought he was by far the best player on the pitch and, He's not my favourite player, and I think if we want to move forward, you probably do need someone, you know, maybe in, in possession is more important these days. But in terms of, we spoke earlier about having a good defence to try and succeed, you know, the stats don't lie in terms of how well he does when he's in the team. And, you know, that's harsh on OG, who has been one of our best players this season. But Aimer and Masterson, I think, is probably our best pairing right now. And, you know, maybe that does have something to do with the slight change in approach in not, you know, style of play, sorry, Alex, but going a bit more direct at times because Aim is not great on the ball. But in terms of defending, you can't argue with it, and, and that's a good base. 
Okay. Yeah, you can actually applaud Lewis. I know. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, let's move it on then. You've all got your players of the month. I hope you have. Alex is sitting there going, I don't know who has. Come, come to me last. Please. Yeah, okay. Matt, go on in. England's number one. Jack Turner. Really? He, cool. They're, they're, against Tranmere, it could have been four or five. He pulled off a couple of really good saves. I think against Wimbledon, he pulled off a couple of good saves. I generally think he's probably been, for me, one of our players of the season. Yeah. People agree with that. Fair enough. Fair enough, Lewis. Uh, so I'm torn between two. I'm not going to say the other one because I think one of you guys might say him. But I'm going to go for Ethan Coleman. Um, get in, get in. <laughs> but I think I think he's come on absolute leaps and bounds since he signed in January, where he, you know, people thought he was potentially, you know, he wasn't even making squads, was he? And now, you know, he's probably our most important player. When he went off injured against Charlton, I think people were, were worried. Um, you know, it's good to have the likes of Dieng back and can, can play in a pivot with Jeffries or whatever. But yeah, Coleman in terms of his ball winning ability, he's, he's come close to scoring. I don't, Alex, I know you're at Crew. Uh, we had so many chances at Crew. He's not scored yet. Um, he's, I don't know if it's biased because he's my favourite player, but you know, I think he's just had a really solid game for a long time, and I think he'll he'll go on to play a lot higher than uh, than he is at the minute. Well, I was Coleman, so yeah, good. Well, that was mine until he said it. <laughs> um, Brilliant. I mean, every part of me wants to say Robin McKenzie, but I can't. He's only played one game. Um, both both are great shouts. For me, and this is going to be controversial because he only really played towards the end of it, because I can't pick Ethan Carmen, would be Max Hamer. The change we've seen in the team since he come in, he deserves deserves that accolade. Can, can I just say then, so with Max Hamer and Connor, I mean... Obviously, at the moment, those two from last season, they worked wonders last season that got us out of the, the trouble that we were in. But do you think potentially Coleman and OG could work together? Or do you think... Uh, sorry, no, sorry, uh, sorry, Amar and OG could work together. Or do you think Amar and Marston are the better combination out of those two? I think you can have either two. So I think that the consistent one you need in there is Amar. What he does so well, which everyone seems to miss is the dirty work and the covering of when Ogie wants to go forward or Marston wants to go forward. They both want to do it. You can't have both friends do that. You need a partnership, not two people wanting to bond forward. He is the reason that Marston looks so good. And if he was next to Ogie, he'd be the reason that Ogie looks so good. They, they can't work together, but either one of them next to Aima would work. So, so I've just got to ask you one question. A back three then, of them three. Yeah, that you, you, you would go with it. With, with Aima in the middle... As long as Max Amos alongside one or both of them, that would work 100%. Okay. I think that three is our best system. I, I, I generally do as well, yeah. I think so three of them. Need a front two. Yeah. How did we get into position where Max Amos our most important defender? <laughs> <laughs> thing is, I, 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 the thing with, the thing with that Max Amos is everyone finds it so easy to, to pick him as a scapegoat because he has had a couple of bad games in the past. So well, it's more than that. No, so we no, but so we have a bad game and just say it was Conor Marston that, that had let the player all pass him and score the goal. Everyone's going to turn around and still blame Amar just because he's the easy scapegoat. But but he has Alex is right. He, in the last few games, he has probably been one of our best players. Okay, um, thank you. Right, guys, thank you for writing down your questions. Um, okay. We'll put it to we'll put it to the panel. Um, 
He's had enough. <laughs> Alex Zilema, um, should we should we sign Conor Mahoney as a permanent player for the Jills? Is that actually a question? Yeah, hundred percent. I think everyone should agree with that. Surely, thank you. Um, he is by far and away too good for this league. He is, I'd say, this is questionable. On his day, the best player in this league going forward. Yeah, without question. Wait till the end of the season. So, okay, so that question was, would you sign him in January or wait till the end of the season? You wait till the end of the season. Okay. Um, Do you think he'll go to Cambridge? Uh, there's, there's not a, I don't think there's, I, I think he can't play for more than, he yeah. can't play for more than two. More than two, yeah. And I think he might play for Huddersfield in the he did, League yeah. Cup, didn't he? Yeah. So he actually can't go to Cambridge. <laughs> um, with the hype at the start of the season and more season ticket sales, what's the minimum league position that will keep the new fans and current fans happy? Be happy. I think we've got our playoffs. Um, top ten shout over there. Is that is that more like a season of progress sort of thing or? So yeah, well. Yeah, well, well, top ten seems to be a uh, a popular vote in the audience, but yeah, I'd say playoffs because because I was very optimistic. Um, I don't know about in terms of bringing fans back and stuff. I don't know if that's you know once you're in, you're in, right? That seems to be the way. We've all had some some bad times supporting Jills, but yeah, hopefully they're just enjoying it. I think the match day experience has been loads better um, in the last year um, since since the takeover, which we're coming up to a year now since since the takeover. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's just more enjoyable for people getting into football. Um, and yeah, in terms of stuff on the pitch, it'd be nice to have a, a little playoff run. And I think that was the, the request. But yeah, you know, you know, I don't think we expected to have to change the manager, that sort of thing. So, you know, maybe top 10 would suit. It seems to suit a few fans. Okay. Alex, um, next question, um, which is quite close to our hearts at the podcast. Mental health and football. Um it's obviously a bit, been a big thing. We, we did a little video last last week, was it, um, around it? Um, it's a big, it's a big thing in football now. Massive, massive thing. Mental health in football. What could the club potentially do for mental health on a regular basis? There isn't a lot that the club can. Do you mean for a player or for a fan? I think for the players. For the fans, for for anyone really, I think. For the players, it's quite easy. They just need to offer the helping hand that, that a player needs. For fans, it's a little bit harder because there is quite a few of us and they can't individually pick out a fan. I think all of us on here have had our struggles. I yeah. say very often that this football club has saved my life many times, um, which is tough for me to say, especially in front of my mum. But... Um, the only thing I, I will say is they could do more advertising for it. So on the boards during games, um, before games, and just promoting those conversations among fans. We are very good at it, but it's just for, that's all you can do really is promoting that, having those hard conversations with the people around you and the fans around you. Lewis, I know um, we've had our talks and things like that about mental health, and I know that you're a real advocate for it and, and things like that, and you've had your, your previous struggles. Yeah, say your sort of bit and, and part on it. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, football traditionally, I suppose, happened on a Saturday afternoon because people had it as an escape, whether that was from your life or whether that was from work, where you'd work all week and then go to the football on the weekend, that sort of thing. And I suppose that still happens for a lot of people. Obviously, people don't just work in the week now, but, you know, football is an escape. Um, I think football can also be the cause of bad mental health. You know, you can make jokes about, you know, whether we lose and, and that's bad for it and stuff and winning would help and that sort of thing. But putting a lot of importance on stuff when you're a massive fan um, could be quite important. And it's just sidetracking a bit, but I'm, I'm a big fantasy football fan and I put a lot of emphasis and sort of time into, you know, picking my team and that. And if it goes badly, it gets me down and I have to remind myself sometimes what sort of, you know, what it is and, you know, what it stands for and how important it is in life. And people's football clubs are very important to them and, and having a bad week can have a big impact on that. So I think, you know, I don't know the solution. You know, the question's obviously been sprung on us. Um, but I think it, you've got to appreciate the other stuff in your life, you know, family. If stuff's going badly, you know, we all, you know, people have had bad times supporting Jills, but just to, you know, reference sort of last season where it was seven goals in 28 or whatever it was and, we were bottom of the league. It looked like we were heading out of the football league and that sort of thing. And you know, football means a lot, a lot to people. Um, but you got to appreciate the other stuff, I suppose. Which is, you know, it's easier said than done. But yeah, it'd be nice to, you know, I was really enjoying the sort of mind stuff that was in football, where they would have the logo on the back of the shirts and stuff like that. Um, shame not to see that go a bit further. But yeah, so I'm glad that it's, you know. Lyle Foster, as an example, in, in the Premier League is taking time off from Burnley for his mental health. And I think that's a really good step because for me, it's just as important as physical health. What I will say is, and I want to get this on record, is this football club is one of the best from what I've seen. And they do it without even realising. So it's the interaction that, that they have with the fans. That is massive for you know a fan like me to even get a message from a player or see a player outside yeah. and just have, stop and have that chat, that five-minute chat. You know, for some football fans, and this is going to sound really lonely, it's extreme, this could be the only interaction they get with a human all week. And for that to be one of the players that you go and pay to watch every weekend, the players are fantastic here. Brad and Sharon are fantastic here. So, round of applause for the club for that, please. Um, and it's just continuing that, continuing that vein. What I will say is we are, we are lucky. We are in a position where we have a platform to voice our opinions, allow you guys to voice your opinions. Um, and this is sort of the perfect opportunity to say what we're going to be doing as a podcast. So what we're going to be doing in 2024 is that we are going to be doing one podcast a month where it is a mental health podcast, basically. And any Jules fan can come on to that mental health podcast. We'll let you know details. We'll let you know how we're going to do it. It's sort of early ideas that I've, I've come up with Owen, but it will be either filmed or just audio, any Jules fan can come to us and we are not going to speak about Jules. We are just going to speak about everyday life. We've got a platform here, so why not use it? Why not use it for people? So we're going to do that in 2024 and we'll let everyone know details, basically. So because we're a family, we're a Gillingham family, why not help each other? 100%. Love that. Yeah. Can, if I can, because I obviously I, I, I don't know if any of you watch the breakfast show that I put out for a bit. Obviously, I, I mentioned on there about my mental health, and the one key thing I've got to say is you need to talk to people. You need to talk to somebody because 
I just started speaking to some random bloke at the, blo- at the place that I work when I was feeling literally at my lowest. And without speaking to him, who knows, I might not still be here. But because I spoke to him, he made me see the light almost, you know? So if you are struggling with your mental health, don't care who it is, go and speak to someone. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll start getting onto your quiz and start wrapping up tonight's show. Um, yeah, could, we'll put it to you, Liz. Could the club work out an under-14 ticket that does not have to be associated with an adult ticket? Because I think you have to buy them together? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, I don't know, I don't have kids, but, you know, would under-14s come on their own? I don't know, do you do it at that age? But, yes. so, so back in the day, yeah, you used to, doesn't, doesn't matter how old you were, you had child's tickets, had old tickets, anyone could come along, but I think it's, um, I think it's like 2010, I think it was, they started introducing this thing of, if you're under 14, you have to come with an adult. But, so I remember being 12, 13 years old, sitting, standing in Gillingham and watching the Jills on my own, so... Could they not potentially bring that back? Because would that not, you know, if you've got a young kid who wants to come and watch the Jills play with their mates and not go with their dad, we otherwise you're alienating them. So is it not worth potentially bringing that back? I think it would be a good idea. Whether the club decide to do it is up to them. But, you know, I mean, ultimately, the youth are the future Gillingham fans. So we need to get them embedded in Gillingham Football Club now and not Man United, not Liverpool, not Man City. Get them embedded in Gillingham and the best way of getting them in that is by getting them into the ground. Okay? Right, are you ready for your quiz? I'm so ready. Yeah? Yeah. Right, we're going to finish off a quiz. Um, about ten, 10 minutes left. So Alex and, Alex and Matt, you're going to go against each other. It's the last, based on the last month yeah. or so, I'm not involved, I'm just here to simply laugh at them. <laughs> If I say Man United 7 0, will that win any of the answers? No. Okay, just check on. I think I'm going to try answer. <laughs> All right, so we're not, we're not going to do like a buzzer system. We're just going to say you both get an, you both get an answer sort of thing. Okay. Um, and we'll put it to the audience as well. So we'll just go for a few. Um, how many Steves have Gillingham had as their manager in the 21st century? <laughs> Permanent manager? Four. Three. Three. Oh, that was an absolute guess. Who way. knew that? Who knew that? Well, I did say three, to be fair. Yeah? All right, fair enough. Yeah. There's a guy called Steve Smith, not that one, who was like the second ever manager as well. Okay, so Alex is one up. I should probably check yeah. the score. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll count the score. It's fine. Okay. Uh, who did playoff winning manager Mark Stimson recently take charge of? Margate. Not a clue, so. All right. Yeah, it's Margate. Straight in. So, straight in. Matt's one, got, one. Matt's got one as well. Uh, in which game did Clements make the change to start Nichols up front rather than Bond? <laughs> Salford. What was the game after Salford? No, you can't change your answer. No. No, you said Salford now. Who did we play after Salford? Trammy. It was Trammer. Matt? Hereford. 
Well, I wrote in Salford because I know, you know, that was a cut. It's not Hereford. Macaulay Bond started up front. He did. Did he? Yeah. He did. Well, so Salford, yeah? I should take... I should take this. Everyone has to do Salford? Yeah. Well, te- technically, I say Salford first, so I'm just saying. Just technically, you know. I'm just, yeah, just saying. Do you also want to change his and, and normally they no take points. the first answer on um, any quiz, so... No. <laughs> okay. No points. Uh, in the Salford game, you know, 3-1 win, good win. What was the score at half-time? 1-0. It was 1-0. It was 1-0. 1-0. 2-2. Uh, you keep the score, yeah? Because yeah. I don't want to keep scrolling yeah. down. Okay. Uh, this is just for one point, but name the two players that went off injured against Charlton. Ethan, Ethan, Coleman. Ethan Coleman and Johnny Williams. Johnny Williams, yeah, with the elbow in the face. That's correct. That's correct. Audience, stop giving them away. <laughs> <laughs> Looking in the back corner. <laughs> <laughs> Get you up here. <laughs> so we've not seen Ollie Hawkins in a while. Looks like he might be in the squad for. Um, the Bradford game, which is great. Uh, so, a bonus point for this one, James. Uh, what's his shirt number? 12. And what was his shirt number last season? Oh! Oh! What was his shirt number last season? 28. I was going to say, it was, it was high. 28. But, but, I, I would have said 26, but... Oh, you got that wrong then? Yeah. Well, Alex, be honest, did you know he's 12 now? I knew he was 12 now, oh, but I thought he was 26. Alex won from that. Yeah, I thought he was okay. 26. Yeah, okay. Okay, fair play. Okay. All right, so, 5-4. I've got five players here that are currently out on loan, so do you want to do a point for each one or one overall? Uh, you got to say one who overall. they're out, out on loan at, so who they're playing for on loan. Uh, so we start ooh, with... Ooh, ooh, good luck! <laughs> <laughs> Sam Gale. Chatham. Chatham. Do you know Matt? It's not Chatham, but it is a Kent team. And I've got a feeling... Folkestone? Folkestone? Go on, James. Yeah. Hastings. It's Hastings. Where is... Wait, so they no points, yeah? No. Jo- uh, Josh Chambers. Worthing. What are you going for, Matt? Oh, no. Oh, I'll say Worthing. It's not Worthing, but... It, it, Welling. No, Welling. United. Welling, thank you. No, Matt's not getting the point. There's no point No, for that. the audience helps him. <laughs> Alex Giles. He's just signed for... Uh, Chatham. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, dead in the house, so... <laughs> Alex, don't know, so I'll give that to Matt. Um, okay, Joe Bode, then. Anyone know this? I was going to say, it's Averley, is it? They didn't know that. No, <laughs> no I was going to say Mason, but that's a good record, so... Give, give the points to you, Joe. Yeah, you have the point. Yeah, well, but, yeah. Matt, Matt gets the point. Well, Matt. Uh, finally, Ike Orgy. Well in. Yeah, well in. Well in. You got the scores? Yeah, cool. Okay, so famous musician, Gillingham fans in the crowd, Amu Acoustic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you'll know this, but I want you to finish a line for his Christmas song. He's Nick. 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 He's Nick's your saying. What's that? He's Nick's your line that you did on the last look back live. When you, when you started it with a Christmas song and it was nothing to do with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 
I'm not going to sing it. Please, um, please. Sing it. <laughs> the, sing the snowstorms it. went away when we got the greatest present close to Christmas Day. Christmas Day. Two friendly faces on our phone screen. <laughs> I'm not singing it, mate. <laughs> you have to give up. Who wants to sing it? <laughs> Do you even know? Not so, a clue, mate. Two friendly faces on our phone screen. Two friendly faces on. If not, I want to guess. Wasn't it something like Bradley and Gallanson and. No, so Brad, Bradley and Shannon Gallanson. Oh. It doesn't matter, does he? No, 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 you don't know, Matt. No, Alex, do you know? I'm so oh, Lewis, sorry. Do you know? No, no, not clear. I mean, a ponytail legend and Gillingham's queen. Hey. A ponytail legend and Gillingham's queen. Okay, so two left. Which two players appeared at the club shop launch? Scott Malone, Ethan Coleman, and two answers from each. Ethan Coleman. Tom Jeffries? One point to each. It was Ethan Coleman and Jake Turner. Oh, on the, on the oh, yeah, evening day. On the launch. I knew you'd say Malone. All right, so this one's a bit, I don't know if this is a good question or not, to be honest, but I'll put it in. Two former Jills players have lined up against us since the start of November. <laughs> <laughs> and also, two players that are family members of ex-Gillingham players we're in a squad against us. There's four overall. Name one for a point, I suppose. One, each one you can get a point. In, in Harvey Kedwell. Harvey Kedwell's correct. See, the, the only former Jules player I can think of, I don't think, played against us. Who? David Tonda. That was ages ago, mate. No, oh. that was... Well, that was, yeah, that was ages ago, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, he did come on. He did come on. Yeah, okay, alright. Uh, yeah, just in, just since since November. Yeah. Since November, the teams that we played in November. I don't know. <sighs> I'll get. I'll start giving you some teams. The uh, the longer it goes on. Sorry. Isn't it Steve Bruce's daughters? <laughs> Harvey Kedwell was the only one that didn't actually play. The other three played. Yeah, Matt Smith plays Salford, who's married to Steve Bruce's daughter. That's not, no, no. that's not what I had. Okay. <laughs> is that true, by the way? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's not, not related, though, is he? Like, who's going to lick Matt Smith for us in January? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the teams were one, well, Harvey Kedwell plus one, another one from Charlton and two from Wrexham. Oh, Ashley, Ashley Mayer Brewer. Elliot Lee. Elliot Lee. Elliot Lee. Ollie Lee's brother. Uh, yeah, I can't think of it. Somebody said Tom Williams. Hey, two from Wrexham. Tommy O'Connor. Tommy O'Connor. Oh, yes. Well done, James. And that's all for my quiz. There we go. Good job. Thanks, guys. I think you won it, Alex. Alex. I was going to say, I think, I think Alex won that one. Alex won it. Okay, that's it for tonight. Guys, thank you all for coming. Yeah, hope you really enjoyed it. Appreciate you attending. Um, yeah, we've got plenty of content planned in the new year. Um, we've got a couple of special interviews lined up in 2024. So stay tuned for that. Our stand-up podcasts. Good.
Get Steve Brute? Oh, definitely not. No way. Fine. There we go. We will look to do one of these again at the end of the season. So, yeah, thanks for all coming, guys. Thank you very much. Good night.